Hello everyone and welcome to Funky Baz and Face, three brothers talking footy. Boys, I'm back. Hello, you back? I, I'm very excited oh, to be here. It's great to have you back, mate. You're looking splendid. I've uh, been away for four weeks. I've been listening every week. I didn't really listen last week. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very, very good uh, to be back here having a chat with you, Blake. So I did miss you all. Well, you got the Le Tour de France outfit on, mate. Yeah, I thought I'd uh, display my... I spent a lot of Australian dollars on this T-shirt and hat, yeah. which I'm sure didn't cost much to uh, design. But uh, no. I thought I'd, I'd show up. Very excited about tonight, boys. I'm going to give you a bit of a rundown about the highlights of my um, tour. Special guest. <laughs> How good is this? We've got a special guest in studio. In studio. Yeah, and he is just waiting at the... He got here half an hour before we told him to. Yeah. <laughs> very, very excited. Yep. So we'll introduce him in a minute. Um... Face is going to talk about our Twitter and Facebook followers. I think that's been pretty good. Fair bit of action this week, boys. Even though ratings have been a little bit down, I did notice over the last four weeks. I see we do have uh, some, we've been uh, strong. some good followers. Um, I've spent four weeks talking about Would You Rather. So I'm <laughs> going to crack into a Would You Rather and you're going to like it. So, um, I'm going to have a bit of a... Because I've been listening the last four weeks, I'm going to take you boys to task over some of the things you've said. We're going to interview our special guest, and I'll get you to introduce him in a sec there, Baz. I'll be nervous if faces fresh finds and faces... He wants to just talk about the Crows because he just... I think our special guest is very keen to talk about the Crows tonight, boys. Who's our special guest, Baz? Well, we're very lucky to have this man. Uh, Our special guest, we have been uh, promoting this the last few weeks, is that our special guest is none other than Mick Abbott. So give him a round of applause, boys. Welcome, Mick Scott, to have you here, and it's fantastic that you're in here at our house, which is um, brilliant that you could come in. Um, mate, you've, you've been a SNFL umpire, a life member in 1996, 232 league games, five grand finals, uh, first South Australian umpire to join the AFL uh, ranks from 91 to 93. So that's just a little bit of a tease. Uh, what we're going to about as good as it gets. I think that's all. <laughs> that's all right. I can go now, can I? Uh, no, thanks very much for inviting me. Uh, umpires very rarely get asked out, so uh, <laughs> um, I'm drinking full strength beer too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it uh, sounds like a good night. Uh, very good. Must give special thanks to our. Uh, Funky Bass Face sister Jess Adamson for yes. hooking this interview up tonight. She did. She did hook this up. So we've got some inside goss. Yeah, she jogged me right in. Actually, our second umpire we've had on Funky Bass right? Face. Rob, Rob Polito was the golden whistle winner. Oh, he's Ross yeah, he's, oh. he's a bit devastated now. Oh. <laughs> so um, we are very caring about our, um, our umpires. Officiators. The game wouldn't wouldn't be alive without, without them. Now, boys, before we cross to Mick, I've been listening each week. Um, the sponge, Scott Doreen. How good was he? He was excellent. Yes, yeah, really, I really good. Heard that one, that was that was excellent. Scott Doreen, great career and great to have him in. Uh, works with you, Baz. So I thought he had a great insight. And I think he offered a lot more than what you normally give us week to week, Funky. So that's um, pretty much. Yeah, he, he actually, no, he was excellent. And like his, his Swans career and how close he got in '96 uh, to the to the ultimate there, and he had the injury which you know held him back there, which was. Uh, Disappointing, but you know he's had a fantastic career and he's doing great work with Macca at uh, Payton. So mm. now, Baz, I'm I'm going to need to take your task here. Yes. Ash Barty, mm. you've been very critical of Ash Barty. He's been very harsh on yeah. Ash Barty. In a time where we need to embrace Australia's tennis players, look, 
Bernard Tomic and Nick Kyrgios, they are a disgraceful example to kids about elite no about elite sport. <laughs> and Ash Barty, we should be ce- she she's brilliant. We should be celebrating every success. A great model. This is our first number one tennis player he in Australia down, he? He since down. Yvonne Gulagong. Yeah. Ash Barty, get amongst her. Um, Crash Craddock, great uh, reporter. Crash, he just named Australia's top three um, <laughs> yeah. athletes in Australia right now. Top three athletes. What do you notice about this? Number three, Elise Perry. Number two, Sam Kerr. Number one, Ash Barty. To have three female sports people as the top sports people in Australia. Are you finished yet? That is outstanding. Ash Barty, get amongst it. I don't know what you're I'll tell you what, Baz. This show so far is just all about funky, isn't it? Well, mate, I'll tell you what. He's the sort of bloke that would pick... Like, if he's a footy coach, he'd pick a player just because he's a nice person. Like, Ash Barty... <laughs> I'm not arguing that she's a nice person. What I'm saying is the rise from number 600 to 1 was unbelievably very, quick. Very, very quick. What are your yeah, thoughts yeah, No, that? it was... I'd, Barely heard of her actually. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, that was my it did point. surprise me. It did surprise yeah. me. But um, it was unbelievable. Isn't that the rise that she credit? had was in. Sorry, isn't that due to her credit? No, no. It's, there's something amiss there. There's something wrong. Oh, so, so you're saying Mick is spot on there. That is that the ATP tour have like. Oh, you just let Ash Barty come in. She, she has had incredible last two years. She's in won one major. She won a French Open, but yeah. she has won. She's beaten so many top ten players in the previous couple of years. We've got a number one. Let's embrace a number one. <laughs> yeah. She must have been the leader oh, of good players. He could say anything, and I wouldn't yeah. know. So, but yeah. anyway, the rise from six hundred to one was mm. super quick, and I think she's a great person. She speaks well. She's a great ambassador for the country. Uh, but what I'm saying is, the rise was very quick, and I don't think you can deny that. It was an unbelievably quick. That was a great bait too, Bez. Thank so you, don't, I won't take that away from but you. But let's give her credit for the rise. Let's not say she shortcutted it. Let's give her credit for the rise. So That's Wendy Turnbull's not playing anymore. <laughs> See that that was our that was who we used to hang off, wasn't it? And then Hanuman the Cobra came yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> now, Funky, have you finished having a, a bake it? Yeah, I'm, d- I'm done now. I'm done. So you're back, mate. Tell us about your highlights of your trip. Uh, unbelievable four weeks away in Europe. Not only just sightseeing, but also cycling across uh, through France and doing all that work. Tell us a little bit about what you saw and what you encountered. It, it was great, actually. It, was, it started as a family tour and it just became an accidental sporting trip because um, <laughs> it just the dates aligned. Hang on, hang on. So, it can't start as a family trip when you go day one, World Cup cricket. Yeah, so we got, got off the plane and Australia were playing England at Lords and good mate who I... <laughs> uh, Sounds like a setup, doesn't it? <laughs> did the wife know about this? Yeah, she, yeah, she um, did. Good yeah. mate, he, uh, he bought me a ticket for Lords and everyone was saying, you won't be able to get a ticket. He got a ticket and sat with him and my pommy mates... Um, I kept very quiet because I just thought if it ends badly for Australia, it's going to end badly for me. But um, it didn't. being at Lords the day uh, after getting off the plane and Australia playing well, Finch made 100. Uh, they're booing Steve Smith. So I just got the whole atmosphere. Mm. The home of cricket, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm not a massive fan for one-day cricket anymore, but I just didn't want it to stop. So that, that Did was you great. Um, go out the back of the cricket grounds like Baz does at Adelaide Oval? I did, I did at the innings break. And uh, got my gluten-free um, food and, and a uh, sparkling water or something. And um, Australia got two. What? A, what? what a Australia, place. Why? Australia got two quick wickets, yeah. and um, it, it was it was hush. So, and I was very excited by then. So that, that was brilliant. 
A week later, went to Wimbledon. So I took a nine-year-old daughter to Wimbledon. She started to play tennis over the last couple of years. Five-hour lineup if you don't have a ticket. And I've done the lineup three times now. It's it is part of the experience. So um, you, you know, like <laughs> traditionally, the British have got etiquette. Uh, over being polite, they give you a brochure about the guide to queuing. So I thought that was quite British and Wimbledon. <laughs> you line up for five hours. Um, when you're in, that walk as you're coming in, you think, I'm getting into Wimbledon and you've got all the merchandise and all the displays. If you get a chance to go to Wimbledon, don't worry to, you know, if you um, send a court, the outside courts are brilliant. So you're standing in line for five hours. Yeah, and, and with that, a nine-year-old. Yeah, so she did brilliantly well. You can, you basically, you. Once when you want to go to Lou or something like that, you. They, they've got it all there. They've got coffee and oh. all that stuff, so that's okay. What did um, you do for those five hours that you're in line? Uh, you? Read a book, just had a chat. Um, yeah, it's almost like you sort of set out a you know, picnic rug and <laughs> just talk people. People camp there the night before to get set a court. Really? So it's quite quite amazing when when. Uh, we got in, we were, all the outside courts only have three rows on each side of the court. Mm. So we came in and we were like third row back. So, and we were effectively sitting next to one of the coaches. So it was brilliant. So when they were, um, the player was talking to their coach, we could see all the emotion. We could see what the coach was saying. Um, yeah, was, so that was, that was really was good. Was Ash Barty on your court, mate? Or? <laughs> no, she wasn't. No, uh, Petra Marty, number 24 as well. What, what uh, happened to uh, Ash Barty, mate? Uh, she lost Wimbledon. Oh, she, really? But she, um, <laughs> she, did, she did very well. Um, and then the trip that I've been organising with a couple of mates, a six-day Paris to Amsterdam ride via the Tour de France. Mm. So uh, 630 k's over six days. Um, and that... I think just the planning of that was good, just what am I going to eat, what am I going to pack, how much clothes, how much is my bike going to weigh, how much money am I going to have to spend to load my bike up. So uh, that was the six days of planning and we Google mapped our way around Europe pretty much, so that was, that was good fun. Actually, in seeing your preparation of your packing before you left, your um, detail to as, as minimalist uh, clothing for your, for your bike and also for your ride was outstanding funky so good stuff it was um, I think the more junk you pay uh, that pack yeah the more you have to carry so I'm okay. mindful of uh, we traveled about 3,000 meters of elevation over the first three days so you want to travel as light as possible uh, you want to wear clothing that um, I wanted to Stand out from the crowd, so <laughs> yeah, you to did that too. Wear some bright Pinks, clothing, yellows. Um, to yep. see the Tour de France, the colour and the excitement, and just to be in a French town where no one knew at all what I was saying. I <clears> didn't have a clue. Trying to order lunch from them while waiting for the tour to come in was was, a, was pretty cool. So good, good tour, good sporting tour. You're probably wondering, Mick, now where mm. the family component of this holiday comes in. Yeah, exactly. What uh, yeah. what are the what are the kids doing? Yeah, in between <laughs> there the was the um, <laughs> we had some good family time as well. So finished at Lake Lake Como with oh. uh, up by a pool and um, Rome in the last day. So it was good fun. Now, Baz, mm. we talked about last week. The B-grade coach called you just before we went to air last week. Yes. How did you go in your return at the Brossard Bulldogs? Well, I, I said no on that night, and then the next morning he, he texted me again and said, <laughs> I really need you to play. And I said, yes, I'm in. So I went out there. After we called it that night, said, you no, know what, enough's enough. Enough's yeah. enough, but I, I can't say no to him three times. So <laughs> I went out there, started on the bench, went on, and this big 
behemoth of a guy come and just smash me within two minutes of coming up. <laughs> got up, and I was like, oh. That, that is thought, the exact reason why we said you don't want to play anymore because you don't want to yeah. put your head over the footy and nah, get a hard ball. No, nah, that's right. Missed a shot from 35 out straight in front. But it was still good to be out there and, you know, we got beaten pretty now, easy. Now, when you say no to the coach, it's on your terms, isn't it? It's on Baz's terms, yeah, right? Yeah, surely. Well, this week, right? Yeah. The coach hasn't rung. <laughs> <laughs> Great coach. Yeah. he's regretting last week's decision. Oh, that's right. I think, it's, I think I'm done. That's that's not on your terms anymore. <laughs> At least last week you had the chance to say no. Uh, yeah. he's, he's been thinking, he's going to call me next time. <laughs> no. It's like that first date again. How did you yeah. pull up on Sunday morning? Yeah, no, it was all, all fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do much. No. Yeah, yeah. So, no, all, all good. But yeah, I think, I think the time has come. But you're right, you do like that phone call, don't you? Yeah. Funky, but, tell uh, us what uh, we've got for the podcast tonight. Uh, so we've got a great interview with Mick coming up. We've got my uh, Would You Rather, and I think I talked about that. I'll be nervous if uh, face is fresh, fine. So looking forward to tonight. Baz, kick it off with Mick. Well, boys, um, we've just touched on it before on, on what uh, Mick's achievements are. Mick... Tell us how, because I'm always interested in this, how does a young kid from, from Brighton High School, how do you get into umpiring? Because I hate I people. You, you hate people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't a fashionable thing. I wouldn't have thought about that. You don't do it to pick up chicks or anything? But, no, uh, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, no, you don't become an umpire to uh, pick up good-looking chicks. Um, I was a pretty ordinary player. So, uh, left footer. Um, no, nothing wrong with left footers, uh, is there? <laughs> <laughs> or ordinary players yeah. were left footers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, left footer but shit scared. Um, so, half forward flank, uh, come wingman. Um, playing with uh, good players like, uh, say, John Painter back in the day. I went to school with him. Straight back. Uh, Kernahan, um, Gary Kernahan and Stephen Kernahan were, uh, he was a little bit younger than me. But uh, yeah, pretty ordinary player. And um, my father actually umpired um, um, local footy, so uh, that's how I got involved with it. So I took it up in 84 when I was about um, uh, the year I got married. SA Police as well. So yeah. SA Police and an umpire, you like being in charge, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like uniforms, basically. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I started, I joined SAPOL in 77, straight out of school as a 17 year old. And then, um, yeah, um, graduated from the academy, uh, worked in the city and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, took up umpiring, umpiring in 84 and, um, yeah, got, got really involved in it, I suppose, and, and put a lot of energy into it. So um, I actually went out to be a boundary umpire because um, I thought that would be easier. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd, run a, I'd run a marathon uh, the year before or something like that, and they actually talked me into field umpiring because I, I did one year in the amateur league uh, years and years ago, and uh, I didn't really enjoy it. I only did one year as a field umpire. Um, they kept sending me out to the northern suburbs and... Uh, uh, stuff like that. So, um, not, not Eastern Park, was it? Well, yeah, those times, <laughs> oh, I, I found myself in, in all sorts of trouble yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You know, some of the some of the games out there. You'd need, you need your couple of there, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, much of a deterrent. Yeah, I was only a young fellow at that stage, and um, so I gave it away for a while. But then I took up. I you know, went out in '84 um, to there was an advert in the in the paper, and um, started running around with um, you know. The first night of training, I thought, uh, oh, there's Bob Schofield, I'd better run with him, or Des Foster, these old blokes. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't keep up. So it took me a while to get going, but it was good fun. 
Mate, something I've always been interested in is that the reason why all of us play footy, a lot of the, the big reason is for the social aspect, and then after the country footy, nothing yeah. beats having a great win, coming into the club, singing the song, and then socially having a drink afterwards. What was the social aspect of the umpires? Like, did you have a lot of like group nights where you'd go out together, or was it socially after a Tuesday night where you had your chicken snitty and had a bingo <laughs> night? Or what, what, what do you do as an umpire? Oh, look, we used to take, uh, paint the town beige, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there is an umpires association, and uh, we'd, we'd um, actually go to a pub... Um, there was, wasn't too many pubs that allow a group of umpires in. Because um, <laughs> um, we're a pretty boring mob. But uh, no, it was, um, we used to go to, uh, back to a, a club, um, the Union Hotel, for a while. And we had uh, social functions and things in, like in that. In the city? Yeah, in the city. Yeah. But, it, but it's a different thing. Um, you know, uh, it's a very much a team thing with, uh, with playing footy. And you do miss that a little bit with umpiring, even though you've got mates. Um, but... Yeah, you know, umpiring is very much an individual thing. You know, there's this, there's two or three umpires on the ground together, and you sort of umpire as a team. But it's not the same thing as playing, or it's very much an individual thing. You've got to you know psych yourself up. There's no coaches or anything like that. And the camaraderie I, that's the, that's the awesome part about being involved with team sport mm. is that you, know, you share the wins and the losses. Umpiring is a little bit different. You judge personally on the individual on how good you uh, good you are. So it's a little bit different, but um, I think everyone that's involved in umpire, you've got to love the game. And I wanted to be involved in league footy, but I, I wasn't good enough. So I grew up a Glenelg supporter, loved uh, people like you know, Peter Carey. Uh, How did you go Peter umpiring Martin. them? Did you find yourself having to, to, um, to pay free kicks against them? Did you find oh, yourself... No, not so much. I mean, when, when you sort of get to that level, at league level, you sort of put that aside. You, yeah, yeah. You know, your, um, yeah, your love of, the, love of the team, you put that aside. Um, because you want to do a good job. Um, so, yeah, it's not so much. I mean, people, if people sort of knew me, they probably, I used to get accused of being a Nord supporter or Port supporter, <laughs> things like that. But, you know, it was way, way off the truth. Well, it's actually quite funny, Nick, because it's lucky you, you mentioned that there's no um, uh, bias. Bias, thank you, Funky, mm. uh, with your umpiring. Because you did talk about a report um, early in your career, I think this is through uh, the advertiser. It did say that umpires were human and can make mistakes, just like football players from time to time, and that any... Where did you get this from? You, <laughs> you dismissed any suggestion that any um, umpire would cheat or favour one team, yeah. whether it be Victorian umpires against S, you know, SA yeah. players or whatever, that umpires get marked so heavily and scrutinised that it would basically end their career if they went down that path. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people get the wrong idea about umpires in that they are tension seekers or, you know, they're just looking to stuff up a game of footy. Raise they, the rate. They, yeah, <laughs> raise the rate, exactly. I mean, the, all those people that are involved in umpiring generally love the game, um, like you guys do, like elder supporters do, but they want to be involved, they're just not good enough to be a player, so they put their energies into something else. And I, I did the same thing, put my energies into umpiring and luckily got to sort of a, a reasonable sort of level, so. Now we say that about supporting your fellow umpires, but mm. here is some Twitter evidence of where. Oh, gee, you <laughs> <laughs> I think you find the funky buzz in face, we're, we're untouched when it comes to research. <laughs> yeah. So here is uh, from the 
3rd of March 2018, Mick Abbott, put the whistle away and let's play footy, AFL Don's Crows. So that would have been round yeah. one last year. Yeah. Um, Mick Abbott, you know it's atrocious umpiring when all the players stop and think it's a free kick, but the umpire calls play on. That was earlier on in the year. That, that was, that? That yeah, that was, yeah. Oh, that was the Crows were awful that night. Um, and the third and uh, the best, surely the best umpires should get the big games. They were shocking today. So um, yeah. in, in retirement from umpiring, you haven't... Um, uh, kept, um, kept, kept no. close to your, your mates. Oh, I mean, it's, I umpired 20 years ago and the game's changed. And the, yep. uh, um, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that you, you let them play footy, pick out the obvious free kicks, and the game will sort itself out. But it is a different game now. There's a lot more players around the ball and it would be difficult to, um, to umpire some of these games because they're so low scoring, they don't pay enough free kicks. And uh, the easiest games to umpire are the ones that are high scoring, they're going up and down the ground, and uh, you don't have to get, get involved. You just pay the obvious free kicks, <laughs> the, high, the high, um, high tackles or the, the holding you know, the, the balls or just the obvious ones. Uh, these days they tend to let a lot of go and then they pick one out out of the blue. Yeah. So my thoughts are that if the coaches let the game um, you know, free up a bit, um, if there was a high scoring game, then it would be easy to umpire. So we're really critical about umpires uh, at the moment, but it's not all on them. It would be very difficult in that situation. I remember a lot of wet games, you know, wet was raining and things like that. You never used to, um, you used to have to um, set the game up, pay a few free, kick er, free kicks early, and then it doesn't happen so much you know, late on the game. So A lot of people say that the game used to be more fun back in the day of playing. Do you think umpiring was more fun back in the day you probably had a bit of time to have some banter with some of the players would have been a bit of humor <laughs> because of the scrutiny with all the vision all the media i imagine it's a really tough gig for umpires these days i you wouldn't would like had... to i wouldn't like to wear a, a microphone like they do now and you get sick of hearing the some of the comments mm-hmm. like you know razor ray and he's turned into a bit of a celebrity yeah. but um, yeah, there was plenty of banter out the ground. There's plenty of sledging. Uh, who were the who were the good, who were the classic South Australian footballers who were great at sledging you and the opposition? Oh, Gary McIntosh was probably the best as, yeah. at sledging other players and sledging umpires. But he he'd also fire you up as well. You know, he'd tell you, "Gee, that was a good bounce," or mm. "Or gee, you got that wrong or right." Um, and uh, I remember one day at Albert and Oval. Um, he used to say, you know, he was he was revving up Wayne Marnie. He said, "I oh, watch this, watch this, Mick." Oh, you know, and he was revving up Wayne Marnie. And sure enough, Wayne Marnie took the bait, got him in a headlock. I paid a free kick, and <laughs> he walked away laughing. So there was there was plenty of Andrew Jarman was another one who's who didn't mind you know giving a bit of stick and, and getting it back. And he he he'd talk all day. Um, Chris McDermott um, was another one. He he. He hated umpires, though. He, mm. Lovely bloke, absolutely lovely bloke. And so with Tim Jinnam, mm. lovely blokes, but they crossed that white line and they're playing for Different. keeps. They're yeah. playing for keeps. Yeah. The, uh, I remember the Gowans boys had a saying, I spent <laughs> a couple of years with Centrals when they were there as the fitness coach, and um, they had a saying that in grand finals, players are nervous, but umpires are nervous too. Yep. So they would deliberately just um, elbow and niggle some of their opponents. Um, they would be a bit over the top, and then you could quite easily get a... Cheap free kick, free kick yeah, in the start yeah. of grand finals, and it, and it worked for them. Yeah, many I times. mean, there's plenty, plenty of smart players that knew sort of how to manipulate, I suppose, uh, and and stir up the other other te- other players, teams, and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, it was, um, there were some great characters uh, around that time in the 80s and 90s. But it, it's, it was interesting now that umpires are so well protected uh, from criticism and that, that mm. coaches can't criticise. NRL is a bit different. They actually give them a, a, a real hard time on NRL. But in AFL, it's very well protected. Back in the day, in the 80s and 90s, that really you were... You were open slather, really, for, that, for criticism. That's right, yeah. Yeah, what are your oh, on yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Graham Corns coming out at quarter time and, and giving us a bake uh, at Footy Park one day. Um, was that when he was coaching the Yeah, when he was, no, when he was coaching Glenelg. Okay. Um, and uh, um, I remember um, a, a coach coming into our um, change rooms at half time once. Um, uh, during a halfway through you, a game. What do you do in that situation? You, I mean, that's where you, you're training, just like your police <laughs> you training. You put your cop uniform yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I did never... Um, I mean, they, again, they've, they've got their own interests and, and they're asking right. for explanations. So I remember yeah. Neil Baum having a crack, at, a crack at me in the in the race Jesus. one day and stuff yeah. like that. That'd be scary. Um, Neil, Neil, Ke- Neil Kelly, I imagine, would have... Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, he was... Um, yeah, he was another one that, you know, he'd point, point at you, <laughs> but his fingers were all going a different direction, so you never knew um, whether he was actually, you know, pointing at you or not. But um, the abuse never used to worry me. Um, I mean, everyone, spectators, players, coaches, they've all got a job to do, and the spectators have got a, they, they go there to, you know, let their frustration out. Um, I remember as a kid hearing such and mm. such mm. expletive Abbott yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I remember um, uh, giving a little bat too um, yeah I remember um, one day at Adelaide Oval they were, they were um, giving me a stick on the um, in front of the scoreboard uh, quite a big crowd at Adelaide Oval and I knew the umpires observer was back in the grandstand so I just gave them the, uh, the one <laughs> finger salute you know just in front of me yeah. they uh, they went berserk after. So if, if an umpire did that in the AFL now, oh, you, oh, you're gone. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too many, too many cameras now, yeah. and like I say, there's there's five or six different angles, and they're all mic'd up, and you know you can hear them saying please, yes, thank you. Yeah. These days, you know, yeah, it's completely like a different game now. I think um, part of that appeal of the sample in the 80s and 90s is the smaller ground is almost like a cauldron so I imagine mm. you would probably have heard more of the crowd than what an AFL umpire does now in the bigger stadiums like in terms of the, those individual voices that are directed yeah, yeah I mean most of the time during a game you just hear uh, it's just white noise in the background um, and, and you only you hear it sometimes when you're very close to the boundary or as you're coming off at half time or at the end of the game Albert and Oval they used to hang off the uh, yeah. you know down near the uh, lawn bowls, uh, there's umpires used to come out there by the grandstand, and they used to be after the game. They used to be hanging off the off the cyclone mesh, and same at Richmond Oval. Yeah, they'd be hanging off the players' race and things like that every now and then. But um, yeah, it was interesting. And and uh, you know, in the AFL, they were the same. Mind you, these were the days too when spectators were allowed on the ground straight after the, after the siren. So. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. Um, I did a couple of games at Victoria Park, you know, Collywood, Collywood games. Oh, wow. And the first first time I uh, did a game there, uh, Collywood lost, and uh, the siren went, and I I turned around and there's all these um, police horses running towards me. I thought <laughs> I thought I was going to get trampled, <laughs> um, but they were there to protect me. But all the spectators were running onto the ground and you know, amazing. And, That's incredible. And you, you, you just mentioned there about Collingwood. 
getting into AFL would have been a massive thrill for you to, to umpire AFL and to have some of the big crowds, some of the big players that you would have um, umpired. Tell us a bit about that and any memorable occasions there because to, to umpire AFL must have been a, a massive thrill, the first South Australian to do so. Yeah, I was, I was a bit lucky. In 91, I did this, uh, a, the state game, the State of Origin game, um, South Australia versus Victoria here. So I went... 91? We, yeah, we, we won that one? Uh, no, I lost that one. Uh, okay, um, which, one, which one's the one we won at, in Adelaide? Jarman kicked that last goal, boundary line. No, Tony Hall. Tony Hall, that was 92. I did that one. Yeah, Tony yeah. Hall, yeah. The, the, that was uh, when Wayne Carey played for South Australia. Yeah, so, yeah, they changed the rules. Yeah, so <laughs> I did, did those two games, but um, 91, I, I went okay in a state game and I was lucky enough to get a call up a few weeks later. But um, yeah, it was. It was awesome to um, be involved in games of, uh, say, Kernahan, Ablett. Uh, First time I ever umpired Dermot Brereton, and he gave me a serve in the first quarter. I thought, "Wow, I've made it!" <laughs> He's given me, you know, Dermot Brereton's given me a serve. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I nearly died at the MCG. Tony um, uh, Stewie Lowe nearly flattened me. Um, Big boy. Oh, I was I I was so lucky that he, he missed me because <laughs> he was out in the lead and I was running backwards and he oh. he had eyes for the ball and he just about. He would have, if he made contact, he would have buried me. It would, would have been have... one of those highlights that people would watch on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah, he was a he was a massive man. But um, uh, Gary Ablett, I umpired the first time he um, first time he kicked a hundred goals. I did that that game at the MCG when everyone ran onto the yeah. oval and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, short career in the AFL, but um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, going back to SNFL days, mm. obviously uh, two hundred and thirty. Um, odd games, mm-hmm. SANFL. Talk about some of the characters that really stay in your memory from players, but also the encounters you had with them. And I think our very own uh, sister, Jess Adamson, was very yeah. keen for you to relay a conversation <laughs> you had with Michael Ace, which is um, funny enough, Michael Ace has been brought up on this podcast before. He has. Yeah, he, he, has. he knocked Bazer back for a climate. Well, it's just, uh, it was my idol as a kid. Oh, really? <laughs> and I went out, I did a quotation for him, I'm in air conditioning. Yeah. So Matt, Matt Warry's, yeah. uh, sorry, Baz Warry's Nordscarf. Oh, really? No, I went out there 18 times and, yeah. and he goes, sorry, Matty, uh, no go. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can you relay the no, encounter that you had with Aish? He's a lovely bloke, Aishi, yeah. and uh, but like like a lot of players, he used to get white line fever a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I remember in a Norwood trial game, just a Norwood internal trial, that um, I had to have serious words with him because uh, he was flattening, uh, he was he was putting elbows up and stuff like that in a trial game yeah. at, at Norwood Oval. So. Um, but yeah, a good fellow, and I see him see him regularly or you know, a couple of times a year. But um, just ask him how his air conditioning. Yeah, started. yeah, I'll, I'll ask him <laughs> how his morphed air conditioning. Got <laughs> Nick, uh, great insight into um, umpiring in uh, AFL and SNFL as well. So uh, thanks again for coming along, and uh, not before, love you to not join before. us in the rest. Uh, I'm just going to cut you off there, uh, Funky. You're still on holiday, mate. Actually, uh, Funky, this is what Baz did a lot. So we had an outline of what we are going to do mm. for the podcast, and then Baz would go, hang on, no, I'm overruling you here. So he's yeah. overruling... I'm overruling the great yeah, man. Funky. But what we're going to do with Mick is give him 60 seconds of quick-fire questions, Jeez. and he's going to rapid-fire... Uh, you, you set the stopwatch there, face. All right, and go. Okay. Have you ever had no idea who to hand the 3-2-1 BOG votes to? Yes. <laughs> uh, and what did you do? 
Uh, yeah, just went, went with Laurie through, um, yeah, threw them up. A couple of stories. That's that, yeah. Is that how you got votes? Hang, hang on, hang on. No, we couple, don't, we couple don't actually, stories there. Oh, go. David Marshall. Oh. David Marshall we lost a McGarry medal. Oh, no. <laughs> by one vote. <gasps> Two. It, Scott uh, Hodges. Oh, oh right. That hurts. And a Glenelg player, too. Glenelg player. Um, his last minor round game, I did the game, and um, uh, David Marshall was, uh, kicked four goals from the centre, had a, had a great game. Jeez. I walked off the ground and thought, well, David Marshall will give him three votes. But uh, the other umpire talked me into give, only giving him two because he thought there was another player oh. that played well. Came down to the last minor round game and uh, Dave Marshall got two. If he got three, he would have tied the McGarry medal. Oh, wow. Start the clock again first. Right. Uh, so, did you ever not report someone as your favourite TV show was on a Tuesday night? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best team that you've umpired in your career? Uh, it has to be a Glenelg one in the 80s. Um, or I should probably point Adelaide. Um, 88, 89, they yeah, were they, very they are incredible. They were, yeah, a yeah, very that, good. Uh, best player you've umpired? Uh, I'd have to say, oh, gee. I mean, Ablett. Ablett, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, Just really sink the boots in. Ablett. Yeah, you know, that's fine. Brereton. One word answer. Was it a free kick in last year's AFL Grand Final to Maynard? Uh, before the kick uh, from the West Coast guy, Dom Shee, Dom Shee to hit the hit the goal. Don't remember it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Typical um, umpire yeah, response. Yeah, yeah, play on. <laughs> best best bloke you've umpired. Best bloke. Yeah. Uh, Tim Tim Jennifer's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, worst bloke you've umpired. Tim Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he crosses that white line, um, is the game over umpire these days? Yes. Do you think umpires should be full time? No. Uh, who's better bloke, central umpires, goal umpires, or boundary umpires? <laughs> oh, those goal umpires. <laughs> boundary umpires just follow a white line. They've just got no idea. Um, goal umpires are, yeah, uh, I don't even... Why do they, what was the question? They make, they make, they make, a, make an easy job look hard. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the AFL winner this year, one word answer. AFL winner this year? Yeah. Geelong. There, boys, is 60 seconds with Mick that, that was one of your best segments there, Baz. Yeah, yeah, well done. Worries, boys. yeah, Mick was the star. You never asked me about the 91 grand final. I thought you were going to ask me about that. That's all right. We might get to I'm that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> face, tell us about our Twitter and Facebook followers. Well, boys, on the back of, I'm not sure, I think a couple of you have seen it. It was uh, Luke Beveridge uh, taking an, an unusual route to show Riley West that he's debuting this week. So yeah. he talked about... Um, you know, a, a, a bird, whether it's alive or dead in the hand. But Jock Cameron Baz, one of our Funky Bass Face brothers, di- uh, diverted the Twitter conversation to talk about your coaching role with the Goody Saints under 11s. Yes. Talking about cauliflower and lollies. Can you just go in a little bit of that? Well, you've got to look for new ways and different ways to get into the kids' minds. Otherwise, they just start to, to wander off and think about something else. So, what I said is, is that, boys, do you like cauliflower? Do you like Brussels sprouts? And they're like, no, no, no. And I said, do you like banana lollies? Do you like snakes? Do you like jubes? Okay, well, boys, your cauliflower and your, your cabbage and all that, 
That is your tackling and your one percenters and your shepherding. Okay, boys? Wow. If you eat your cabbages and your cauliflower, you'll get your lollies. Okay? So if we do the hard work now, we'll get the benefits. I say, put the hard work in and then it's lolly time. So the boys, they put in the hard work. They did the shepherd of the one percenters. They put their in and unders. They, they did, did that. their cauliflowers. And then in the last quarter opened up and I said, you boys enjoy your lollies. <laughs> and, and we had a great, a great game that great game. Win. So yeah, that was my... Like well, Jock, I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for the feedback on Twitter this week. Um, Funky, you put out your Ashes selection for the first test on the English soil. One week Ta- away. Talk to me about it, mate. One week away. So I, I chose my team, and I was pretty happy with my team. I didn't spend too much time, I can to be tell honest. you didn't spend too much time. And uh, Face pulled it apart, saying I don't have a captain in my team. <laughs> Um, oh no, you dropped that Australian captain from your team. Well, it was part of my would you rather actually, so I'm going to go to it now. <laughs> would you rather, as the wicketkeeper, Tim Payne, who's that Tasmanian, um, Matthew Wade, yeah. or Alex Carey? Oh, out of doubt, Alex Carey. Oh, thank you. So it, to, to me, there's no, there's no. How can I you agree. drop the Australian captain? Prior to the first test, he's only Australian captain out of default, anyway. No, all right. <laughs> he's done a decent job. <laughs> Mick, what, what are your thoughts, Mick? Uh, well, Alex Carey's the future, isn't he? Uh, Absolutely, he's proven himself. He's a gun. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. He's a gun. So his World Cup, like not many people rated him, and you were talking him up beforehand, but not many people rated him before or the World much Cup. About him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he was sensational in that World Cup. When we really needed him, he got us over the line in a few games. Um, to me, mm. Tim Payne's done a decent, like, average job. But when you've got Gilchrist back in the day killing it, we've got higher expectations of our keeper now. Ian Healy sort of nudging him around and Dyer and, um, you know, Marsh and that. They're okay. Greg Dyer. Greg Dyer. Yeah. Uh, to me, we've got high expectations of our keeper. It's very important that the number seven makes runs. And I think Kerry can do that. Judah Smith and Warner have been on their leadership bands. There's no way that Tim Payne will get... Yeah, you can't call my cricket knowledge great because I didn't call for Steve Smith in the World Cup squad either. Mm. However, Travis Head's the vice captain. He can't be the captain for the. Um, no, but each team, Travis Head doesn't have to be the vice captain in this squad. So he was the vice captain when Smith and Warner True, were in, in there. Australia. So yeah. pick the best team. You got to pick the best team. So Tim Payne doesn't get automatic selection. He'll play if, though. Apparently, if, if if Payne is a better yeah. player. I think well, if they're anything like the Crow selectors, they'll just go with the uh, the team the last player. True, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keeping in theme of Baz's bets, which is a, a constant theme across um, Funky Baz's face. Um, Jordan Robertson, a guy on Twitter, placed a fifty dollar bet at the start of the oh, year for Jeremy Cameron to win the Coleman and Lockie Neal to win the Brownlow at a return of a thousand and seventy one dollars to one. He is now in place to potentially win $53,500 should those two get up at the end of the year. However, he's in a conundrum, boys. His cash-out figure now is at $10,500. Baz, I've seen your response about what he should do. Well, I know... Mick and, and Funky, what do you think Jordan should do? He's got 10500 guaranteed right now. He can walk home with that, but he's got another 40000 waiting for him if he waits till the end of the year. For Jeremy Cameron to win the Coleman and Lockie Neal to win the Brownlow. Mick, what do you think? Uh, I'd, I'd cash out. Um, I saw that tweet and uh, I thought, well, any time either of them could get injured, so uh, I would yeah. take the 10 grand. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic investment, isn't injured, it? Injured, reported. Injured, reported, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's too much uh, uh, leeway, I think. Imagine if the Lockie Neal Brownlow comes down to your David Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think, Trump? 
I'd let it go, actually. Uh, I keep going because I'm thinking, is $10,000 going to change you much? But $50,000 will, so I keep it going. Well, Babs, you, I'm really surprised that you keep it going. Yeah. I, I think you, you're one hamstring away from disaster. Yeah. You'd never forgive yourself mm-hmm. for that. I've ended in cash cow at the moment, boys, on, <laughs> on sunrise, <laughs> and it's driving me nuts. It's ruining my life because I cannot leave, I cannot leave the TV in the morning. If I go to the toilet, if I go to the shower, I've got to have a quick shower to get out. Because if you miss the phone call, you're gone. Why don't you just take your phone with you, mate? You don't have to watch TV. Well, that's a good point, Face. But I still <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say? That you have to say, I something you have no, to you answer get, the phone. I'll wake up three rings. Nah, nah. three rings. Yeah. Oh. yeah, but I'll probably get Magsy ring me before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, during the week, I actually tweeted Cornsy boys because yeah. you know how we're talking earlier um, before we started about how I remember these stupid stats about football or whatever, but we don't remember what we did 30 minutes ago. Yeah. I tweeted him about how he brought up the curse of the number six since Tony Modra left, and now mm. he said, Bryce, do not take number six, whatever you do. Yeah. So I tweeted him and said, Cornsy, what do you think about the number six should do? I was hoping for a little bit of content he would say about what's happening with Gibbs. He didn't give me that, but he did say, I did warn him about the curse of the number six. It's worth consideration to retire the Guernsey. Yep. There's only one Tony Modric. Th- that is mm. the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to retire a Guernsey because there's a yeah, curse of a number. That, that is absurd. It's tough. Who are the Tuggins. players that have worn it since? Uh, oh, John- James Byrne. Jonathan Griffin. Jonathan Griffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember James Byrne? Yeah. 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 He looked like Modric. But to couldn't play mm. like Modric. Yeah, you would have done a right at nightclubs, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, down at, what's that one down at Glenelg? Next to where he was very popular down at there. At the Grand. Yeah, James Byrne, yeah. Yeah. Very popular down there. Um, moving on to Carlton supporters, boys. Now, we've had a great... They're up and about this week. They are. We've had a great banter throughout the whole year about the Pick Swap Cup that's coming up this week. Um, Phil Kay, who, who uh, we mentioned last week, a mad Carlton man, had some Twitter this week. Um... So, Phil, I can't wish you good luck, but uh, let's hope that we just get... It's an eight-point game. It's a big so game. It's, it's a, a big, big game. game. Big we, game. You know, we'll talk about the Crows soon. I just I can't wait uh, to talk about them. The last one is a tweet from Les Pearson. He said he finally caved in. This is in um, on the back of the Crows lost to Essendon last week at Adelaide Oval. He finally caved in and bought tickets for the Crows game on Friday night, taking his five-year-old boy to his first Adelaide Football Club game. He, he said he needs to prepare his son for a whole new world of pain. Poor, poor, Matrol, poor Patrol might be lame, but Marshall and Chase will never break your heart. And that's just very, very true after that game, being 30 points up and lose the way they did in that second half. Uh, they certainly broke our heart, Baz, didn't they? Funky. Good work, Faces. It's like you've combined your Twitter, Facebook followers with Faces Fresh Finds. Do we still mm. have to... No, no, we, we can Do we move still on. have to move through his face of fresh wines? No, no, I've got like, plenty of content. Did you guys fresh can wines? that? This yeah, is, we can. Yeah, <laughs> it's about time. We just, yeah. Um, would you rather, face has stolen one of my would you rather, but I've got one. Uh, Heath Shaw is about to play his 300th game this week. Mm-hmm. I do get a bit annoyed with how much coverage the, Victor- the ex Victorian and the Victorian players get for their 300th compared to the Adelaide ones, but. I'm going to go with it. Uh, 300th game this week. He was pick 48 as a father-son selection in the 2003 draft. Do you know who was the number one pick in that draft? What number? What number sorry? He was the 48 father-son pick in the 2003 draft. Oh, hot, hot? No, no. Who no. was number one? It was um, the most, probably the most disappointing national draft. Jack Watts. Gibbs. Ever. 2003. No. 
Richard Lounder. Adam Adam Cooney. Bradley medalist. Yeah. Uh, But if you look at, and I don't have the list in front of me, but it's a very, very, you have to go, it's almost like Adam Cooney number one, and you're going through until another 43 selections until you get the Heath Shaw. So, I think you know where I'm going. Would you rather, (laughs) would you rather choose Heath Shaw or Adam Cooney, Heath Shaw, 300 games, Premiership player, two times All-Australian. Or Adam Cooney, 250 games, Brownlow medalist, All-Australian. No, Heath Shaw every day of the week. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cooney played the last probably 70, 80 games uh, under duress. Yeah. Uh, and Heath Shaw has been unbelievable. He probably played games for Essendon. You don't agree? Yeah, no. Oh, well, Adam Cooney was a better, is a better player. But uh, he sure has just uh, played longer, I suppose, and played more games. But yeah, wouldn't um, Brownlow? Yeah, wouldn't <laughs> pretty handy? And he was a match winner too. You know, when he was playing, when he was yeah. up and about playing for Western Bulldogs. I think yeah. at that time you would choose Cooney at this time because I remember him at West Adelaide being a junior. He was the out and out gun. You wouldn't because they him. weren't successful. You didn't. I didn't really notice but, him as much. But he sure has had a better career, all Australian Premiership player. That we've seen footage of him this week of that smother on Rewalt in the opening minutes. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. the, that grand final yep. um, in the replay. Well, tell so. us, Nick, can you, you you would have heard last week's when I gave that would you rather, mm. would you rather be Ben Stokes or Kane Williamson? Did you hear that, would you rather? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. What, what um, was your answer on that? Uh, Williamson, he's a better bloke, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, um, good call. Yeah, yeah, I mean... See, I've gone for the ship bloke. You go, I'd, I'd go because ahead. of his success, well, because he won a World Cup. Yeah, well, the yeah. thing is, is that I, I know what it's... What, what it does to people that don't win grand finals and why that eats at them. Like Taylor Walker's going to have that like grand Walker final. Be great. He, yeah, he's going to have that eat at him for the rest of his life. You know, like I know he is. So Ben Stokes has ticked that one off. But that's going to follow his career. Stokes is that's going to follow his career. Um, anytime there's some sort of controversy, anything like that, people are going to remember him for the wrong way, wrong reasons. Yeah, I think good uh, bad blokes can be made good. Do you know yeah. what one of the greatest? Um, mistruths is people have said you win a premiership you're set up for life that is mm. the biggest load of crap I've ever heard your whole life is something completely different so I don't think no one said that you're set up for life because otherwise <laughs> I'll, I'll be rich three times I say it changes your life and yeah. I completely disagree like people who have lost grand finals at the end of the day they've got um, you know family friends career all of those things yeah. I don't think your, whether you win a premiership impacts on any of those things. Now, Funky, you got a would you rather from Will Goodings this week from 5AA. I did. Do you so want to give us that one? My would you rather is, I quite liked Will's, Will suggested, do we have an FA Cup style for AFL? Oh. So we have uh, Waffle, Sample, VFL, <laughs> AFL playing. So would you rather have... You thought AFL X wouldn't get much traction. <laughs> <laughs> or would you bring back State of Origin? Mate, you cannot get players to take anything seriously besides the in-season AFL. You imagine Patrick Dangerfield playing against uh, Matt Harris's Barossa Districts. Like, it's just you're never going to get. No, they they did that in the seventies, though. You know, Hawthorne played Norwood or and yeah. uh, you know Glenelg, and they had that sort of um, mid-season competition with uh, between South Australian, West Australian, and Victorian teams. It didn't last, but. Gee, wouldn't you love to see State oh, of Origin? I, I love out? it. So in the Premier League, in those players are worth more than the AFL players. They're yeah. all invested in it. Why can't we do it here? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's my would you rather voice. <laughs> Boys, I've got a would you rather for you. Would you rather? <laughs> Tell me, Your Honour. <laughs> it's the vibe. <laughs> um, would you rather play a game against Gold Coast or go home to Ireland for your brother's wedding? Oh, there's, there's no, there's no, no doubt that you'd rather go back to your brother's wedding. Absolutely. So if it, are we saying that it's it's because it's Gold Coast? I don't care who it's it's for your brother's wedding. Like, if you didn't come to my wedding because of some <laughs> footy game, I'd be very annoyed at you. Like, this is you only get married. Well, actually, even need it. <laughs> <laughs> you only get married three times. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, the wedding is a no-brainer. I wish you took last week off against the Crows, but yeah, anyway. No. Who gets married in footy season? Come yeah. on. They're Irish, oh, they're a bit yeah. different. Yeah. Um, funky, season. funky, I've got a would you rather for you. Would you rather Tony Pirin or Natalie Imbruglia? Oh, that's a great would you rather. <laughs> two teenage crushes. Uh, Natalie Imbruglia has just announced a new record deal and she's pregnant. Yeah, first baby. 44. Yeah, so well done to her. Who's the father, mate? I don't know. <laughs> um, Funky has been touring the world. And, uh, <laughs> Tony Pira, I just started following her on Instagram. Which Stalking. I was, uh, yeah. Sent out to you. But uh, Natalie and Brulia. Ooh. Yeah. Great call. I'll, yeah. I'll probably go down that same path. Yeah. Um, hypothetical, would you rather, for everyone. Mm. Don Pike is sacked from the Crows. Everyone else is taken, and there's only two coaches left to pick from. Would you rather Mick Malthouse or Ross Lyon? Oh, that's ridiculous. That is... Okay, so Mick, like, Mick oh. is in the news but interested in coaching. That's all right. Yeah. No one's, no one's going to go after him. That's ridiculous. Yeah, what, what, that's, that's the worst would so, you rather ever heard. Yeah, but Ross Lyon is yeah. the most oh. unappealing style. No, he's, he's, still, he's still good though. He's still good. Still good. No, so no, you would be happy for him to coach him? overrated. Well, Overrated. Well, who would you take out of those two? So I wouldn't pick, pick either. But, <laughs> I mean, at least Malthouse might play some sort of uh, attacking Tra- style, attractive. attracting style football. Thank you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, split, I don't particularly you. like him, but Ross Lyon just kills game. Yeah, what I about last week? I completely agree. Eight goals he was, nine. He was win like a Stephen Milne choke away from being a, a premiership coach. Doesn't doesn't change his style. There is apparently yes, there are uh, some very good coaches yeah. coming through the Goody Saints. I'm really <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, uh, would you rather face? I think you. Uh... Mick, do you have any would you rathers for us? Oh, I was thinking, you had, uh, would you rather be Ray Chamberlain or dead? Uh... <laughs> 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 face and Baz. I'll be nervous if. Uh, yep, let me just well, go to my I'll tell you what, I'll be nervous. This is just one off the cuff, boys. I'll be nervous if I was a Crows player over 30 at the moment because I think the, the off season review will be brutal. So if they miss two finals. Season, there has to be significant change there. Are we yeah. going to our Crows review? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mick, you put out your team of the week, or the team that you think you'd pick. They actually dropped, I think, two of them that you selected, Greenwood and, and Betts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, what was um, your thought about Betts being dropped? Well, I thought it was the wrong time. Um, uh, they had an opportunity, I suppose, early in the season, but he's still a leading goal kicker. He's he's mm-hmm. our leading. He's, uh, he, he and Tex, uh, I think um, Eddie's our leading goal kicker at the moment. He's kicked over thirty goals this year. So it's twelve goals from two games. Yeah, yeah, games, but, but but he still contributes. Um, yeah. and he he still takes the best uh, small. Maybe they're worried about the forward pressure. But he, does he do forward pressure these days, uh, Eddie, or not really? He didn't tackle. Well, well, there was no tackles last there was, week. Yeah, there was no tackles last yeah. week. But um, I thought McKay's been lucky. Atkins has been lucky. Yeah. Um, Huey Greenwood, I, I love watching him play. Yeah, he's a great tackler and things like that, but he's, he's slow. 
he's one of the only players who can take a contested mark from our forward line. But I mean, like you said, they're going to have to uh, you know clean out a lot of guys at the end of this season. McKay, Otten, Douglas. Uh, they're all the wrong side of 30. Sam Jacobs is probably uh, probably get another year contract, but only as a backup ruckman. He's he's 31. There's uh, there's bound to be a few changes. Well, how's this? Crows have had the least amount of injuries of any club, the least amount of players played throughout the year. Their GPS data for the whole season, total distance covered, they rank 18th, so last. Distance covered at speed, second last, and total sprints for the season, last. That says a lot about the makeup of the players that are continuing to be put out there in the park every week for Adelaide. Um, in 2018, they lost 10 games for them. Like last year was a disaster season. They lost 10 games last year. Injury plagued, just you know, total balls up. This year, they've already lost eight, and we're five rounds to go. And we've had and a, a healthy list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five losses at home. That's unheard of. There's something not right at that club. Oh, absolutely. There's, um, I, I read, uh, I followed the Dream Team and I read a stat about six weeks ago that Adelaide is the easy, if you've got a, a midfielder in playing against Adelaide, make him a captain because they don't man up, they don't tag, so they're the easiest team, the, uh, the midfielders are the easiest team, Adelaide's the easiest team to score against or to uh, get points against. So while Crouchers are getting a lot of, a lot of ball themselves, they're not manning up and they're, uh, they're allowing people like Merritt last week who uh, just ran all over them. It seems that the change might be difficult for the Crows given that uh, they've got some players that don't actually want to pick on longer-term contracts as well. So I think mm. Betts has got another year. Um, Gibbs. Gibbs has got another year. Yeah. Uh, Don Pike. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two more years. Yeah. Um, very, very interesting to see what happens in the off-season. They should still make the finals. The champion data did their... Prediction for what they think. There are eighty-five percent chance to finish top eight. Yeah, I tell you what. If we lose to uh, Carlton yeah. this week, yeah. we'd be no, Yeah, they won't. They won't make finals. If they lose no. to Carlton this week, which so is Kilda up and about with the yeah, that's coaching exactly. again. That's and then they're going to play West Coast, Collingwood, and Western yeah. Bulldogs in Canberra. In, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, I mean it's not an easy run home, but uh, they need to uh, look like they're um, you know going to be a threat. Otherwise, they're just. I mean, what's the point of coming eighth if you're just going to get blown away? That's by the exactly right. If you remember at the start of the season. Five rounds in, we chose our top eight, and we said, lock it in. <laughs> Let's revisit it next week, because it is very, very close to what we've picked. We're, really? We're coming well, you actually closer. had four in, boys. I disagree with you, but you overruled me. We did overrule you. Yeah. So um, let's look at it with four rounds to go next week. Don't think we had Brisbane too. No, so, <laughs> so, um, yeah. so I think we did have them in the eight, but we'll look at it next Spring, week and we'll see, because we said... Don't worry about the argy-bargy. This is it locked in. We'll yes, see how we close we've got. Can I just... Sorry, Bess? No, I was just saying before we go, Face, if you're going to yeah. say something, I'll, I just want to get a, a glimpse from Mick about that 91 grand final. Great. We missed that. That is gold, what he, what he had there. Mick, it was a bloodbath with, <laughs> yeah. you know, mass... Laurie Argent lost control. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> he actually unpotted the Barossa back in the yeah. day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so... How was it for you, and how long did it take you to get over that game? Was there mass interviews, or was there... Did you get dropped, by the way, from the <laughs> AFL scene? Because you were in a 91 AFL umpire. Did you get dropped back to the SNFL for the grand final? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... I, I, 91, I did about only about five games, and uh, they were, I, I think it was a testing year for me or something like that, but 
Um, yeah, went back and umpired the grand final. I got dropped later in my career <laughs> in 92 for not reporting uh, Diesel Williams. Um, but 91 grand final, yeah, it, it was remembered for the wrong reasons. Everyone um, uh, remembers how many you know fights there were, and and it really was a disgrace. The fact that it players, was. you know, yeah. the Stephen Sims uh, Simpson incident was yeah. you know shocking, and you know that changed the rules, SNFL rules. They put in the they brought in the send off rule after that. He got 11 games for uh, for that incident, and I think 11 players reported uh, on the day. Um, I just remember that um, there. On the Monday or Tuesday night at the tribunal, there were so many people there, they opened up the members' bar at, at Apple Park. <laughs> it, there were so many advocates and things like that. Not, do not there come was, in. Uh, yeah, that's right. Phil Gallagher would have yeah, done that. There, was, uh, there were so many um, you know, witnesses and people reported and officials and oh. that. They opened up the bar and, and people were just having a drink. Oh, who's next? And things like that. Oh. So... Um, yeah, but it was... Yeah, it was no good. I, I've seen the highlights of it. Mm. probably put it on in a second. But, did, yeah. you, did you feel as though, as an umpire, the umpire group lost control because it was just so out of control? Not really through fault of your own, but did yeah. you think, how are we going to get control? Well, it, it, after half-time, West Adelaide were on a mission to knock yeah. Stephen Sims's yeah. block yeah. off. You yeah. know, and every time he got near the ball, then you know it was... Uh, there were a lot of fights, and they were throwing haymakers left, yeah, right, yeah. and centre. Um, a lot of the time, we thought that if you know we continued the game, uh, they'd stop fighting, but they just didn't. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a terrible game of football, and yeah. I think it was being it was going back to Victoria and stuff yeah. like that. That you know, there's a lot of people saw it, and you can imagine if that sort of game is game of football was on now, it'd be a total outrage. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a shocking yeah. thing for kids to see and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But there was uh, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of, lot of punches thrown and, uh, yeah. Yeah, we lost control. <laughs> <laughs> Two quick things. I want to touch on the Diesel Williams report. Oh. Is that in terms of when he touched the umpire? Or no, 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 no. Uh, it, was a, it was a game at... Um, um, St- it was at Waverley, St Kilda versus Carlton and... Uh, uh, was it... Uh, Ivan Nisovic or what? No, no, what, he was... Uh, he, 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 he plays tennis. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it was uh, St Kilda Ruckman. Um, Starsovic? No, 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 I can't no. remember. It was I a bit, he, yeah. yeah, anyway, he took a mark and uh, Diesel made him earn it sort of thing. And uh, um, I didn't report him and uh, the reserve umpire, who was John Russo, reported him. Uh, sort of threw me under the bus. Mm. Uh, he ended up getting off, but... They no, said, you're fine, Diesel. Yeah, you're fine, fine mate. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, they, uh, they dropped me after that. Can I ask about, obviously being a Glenelg supporter yeah. and growing up in the area... 88-92 grand final, Glenelg versus Port. How hard is that to control your emotions in a grand final for oh, no, the kids, you'd, kids' side? You'd yeah. be fine with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah. it was... Uh, um, I mean, I was totally invested in, in umpiring at that stage yeah. and uh, it was, it's, it's about, you know, I want to put up a good performance and, you yeah. know, um, just like anyone, you, you just sort of, uh, you just see what's in front of you, you just umpire what's in front of you and uh, it doesn't matter whether, you know, whether it's a black and yellow or black and white, you just pay what's there. So, yeah. so can, can I ask, now this is a podcast, I understand that, but here's mm. a picture that I'm just going to show you, Nick. So this is a photo of the 82 Grand Finals. So, can't think who that Glenelg player is going, going in for the whack oh, on Darren, Darren Smith. Smith. Yeah. Wouldn't be 82. 82, 82 was uh, North. Sorry, 92. Yeah. Sorry, um, this is, Salisbury. This is 88. This is 88 grand final. 
So uh, that's uh, Salisbury, Salisbury and David uh, Brown on the bottom. Scott yeah. Hodges about to go in there. Yeah. What was your thoughts? You're obviously here. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always uh, in those days there was always a few, few sort of fights and things like that, especially early on the game. Everyone's um, fired up and stuff like that. But um, I think there was uh, I can't remember if there's any reports out of that game, but uh, um, you know there was a few fiery customers. You know, Scott Salisbury was pretty fiery. <laughs> Wayne Marnie was out there. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you're playing for sheep stations, so. Yeah. Um, but you know, you remember the Nord Port game in '84. There was a, you know, the fight before the, the mm. uh, before the start of Evans the game. Evans and, 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 yeah. and, and then they had a crack at Michael Aish. They, they, someone flattened him. So yeah, I mean, thankfully, footy's played more these days about skill and and uh, things like that, but rather than sort of fights. Very good. Mick, it's been awesome having you on Funky Basm Face. Oh, yeah. Our Thanks followers for can me. hear you on 5AA. Uh, yeah, every now and then. Um, I'm working the weekend, so if you're up early, uh, um, yeah, we do a bit of stuff on, um, on 5AA and ABC um, Monday to Friday. Just uh, stuff that's happened overnight with the police rounds. So, yeah, just uh, involved in that a little bit. Thanks for coming in. It's been no a brilliant insight. Nah, sensational. Well done, mate. And uh, see you all. Good to be back, boys. And, Welcome uh, back. Yeah, yeah. Next week. Thanks. Thanks for having me. See Thanks, guys. boys. Catch up.